Hello, and welcome to the Van Life Pantry Nomadic Pantry Podcast, where we talk all things food, cooking, kitchen, and pantry storage for vehicle nomads. Today we are talking to guest Brenda, and she has some very interesting things to say, and I am just going to let you listen rather than try to explain all of the things we talked about. I do apologize for any sound quality issues or any lack of perfect editing issues, as always. And as always, if I waited until it was perfect, you would never hear it. So thank you for joining me, and let's get into it. Okay, are you here now? Hey. Hello. So (laughs) I apologize for that. And you know, I I haven't even introduced this podcast. So um, I want to say welcome to the Van Life Pantry Nomadic Pantry podcast. And my guest Brenda is with us now. And I have had some technical difficulties with sound. And so we're on take two of this, but that's kind of how I roll. If you've listened to my podcast, you know that I do occasionally have these glitches and um, I just have to be flexible and run with them. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I have some questions lined up if you would like me to just go through those or do you want to just start telling me something that you want to tell me? Um, well, I guess I'll kind of start and let you know a little bit about me um, and my van life story, uh, I guess. Uh, small bit. Can you see, are you seeing me or just hearing me? I can just hear you, but that's okay because we only need the audio for the podcast. Right. Okay. So anyway, um, I've been on the road a little over eight years. Um, I was solo for a while and uh, I met a guy out on the road and we've been together traveling for about six years and married for three. So I've had like both sides (laughs) of the van life thing. So uh, also somewhere along the way, we bought a little winter oasis, uh, like a park model trailer out in Quartzsite, Arizona, where we met. Mm. So uh, we have a little place out there that we stay for a couple uh, months out of the year. So we're sort of a hybrid, mixy kind of van life couple. Oh, that's <laughs> neat. Very neat. Yeah. So well, when, you, when you first started the nomadic lifestyle, were people supportive or did you get some resistance? Well, I'm sort of a fringe dweller. I don't think a lot of people were real shocked. (laughs) (laughs) I I was actually uh, going through a lot of health problems and had been in bed for years, uh, dealing with rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and scleroderma and some other things. And uh, I just made a decision that I just wasn't going to live that life. Um, after being a very active person and working several jobs and going to college, uh, when my kids were little as a single parent, uh, I just, my health fell down and I had to take some time. And, and during that time, I sat and thought about what I wanted to do when I got better. And I found ways to get better. Mm-hmm. And I got my strength back and did a lot of walking and uh, changed my diet and changed my attitude and looked at Uh, A lot of things like meditation and other things that would help my soul and my spirit heal. And I worked on some of the emotional things that I needed to deal with, my own personal stuff, and and started to get better. And um, I had two kids. One one went away to college. And when the second one went, I said, I'm going to go out on the road and see how it goes. And 
I actually took about a year and stopped all my medications. I was taking more than 25 medications a day and I just decided I wasn't gonna do that. And I uh, weaned myself off kind of slowly, sort of against doctor's orders, but that was my choice. And uh, so I ended up going out on the road in a, in a van and a little canned ham trailer. Wow. <laughs> and my son at first, you know, he followed me every pin dot on the map. He had to make sure he had the GPS coordinates to make sure I was okay. And, you know, I said, if I'm going to die out here, then that's my choice. Like I want my freedom and I want to live. And, um, you know, I've had health issues still along the way. I still have to manage my health, but I have totally lived my dream the last eight years. And, and that's what I wanted to do. And so I pulled it off and here I am. And, um, definitely cooking is a big thing in our, in our world. I love that. Well, you know, isn't it amazing the capacity that our bodies have to heal? We, we can do things to help heal ourselves. And in my experience, I was on the brink of being diagnosed with lupus, fibromyalgia and Meniere's disease. And I didn't start the nomad life, but I did change my diet. Uh, we've been pretty healthy for close to 10 years, but now 10 years ago, I went gluten-free and uh, no alcohol and no caffeine. It was a huge turnaround and food is medicine. I truly believe that. And food can be poison. I believe that. And so food is, is kind of a big focus for me too, because I told my doctors, I'm not going to take the diagnosis. Not only am I not going to take the medicine, I'm not going to come back again for you to finish the diagnosis. Um, I finally got one doctor who suggested the dietary changes and acknowledged that I have an autoimmune disorder that is triggered by a whole host of foods. And uh, I, like you have decided I'm not going to live ill. I'm not going to give in to the sickness. And some of that is a mental choice. And some of that is definitely a food choice. So I was excited when you and I were ended up on, on one of the same uh, van life forums. And I saw you talking about food. And I thought I would love to get together and chat about it. So oh, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So tell me about the vehicle you travel in and how much kitchen space do you have? Okay. So what we travel in is a, it's a Ford E350 transport van, um, but it's a high top. It's mm -hmm. got a fiberglass top. My husband's six three, so he can stand up in it and I can stand up on the bed and not hit my head. It's, oh, it's nice. But it, it used to be um, for a senior center or community center. I'm sorry. Well, one of the other, I forgot. <laughs> but anyway, it was in Kentucky and uh, it, it was built out to a certain extent. It had some seats in it and Dan um, changed it. Um, when we first met, he had a different van. We met at uh, the River Tramp Rendezvous out oh, in Fieldside. And uh, he had a different van and I had my own van. I had something like what you have. Uh, I had a Savannah, GMC Savannah, mm -hmm. uh, eight passenger van. So anyway, this thing has, uh, it has a kitchen with a pump sink with a bilge pump from a, a boat. And it has a bar sink in it that's copper. And it has a two burner stove and all kinds of cabinets and drawers and a pantry and like the bed opens up 
to where the front part of it holds all of our solar and tools and things. Uh, we have a refrigerator and a toilet. And then the back area, uh, Dan made all kinds of little trays that roll out and hold like a full-size sewing machine, a month's worth of food. Oh, nice. I mean, every kind of crazy thing you can think of back there. It's the garage. <laughs> I don't go back there. I deal with the front area and he deals with the garage. Oh, but, that sounds heavenly. So I have kitchen envy a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a great kitchen. It really is. And, and really, we cook outside most of the time, but we are fully self-contained. We're solar powered. Um, we can cook inside with all the doors shut and be just fine, no problem. Mm -hmm. um, we also have a cargo van that we pull sometimes. We don't always carry it with us, but it has a full pantry in there. And then um, we do um, a lot of cooking outdoors. We have all of our cast iron and all that stuff, a million different ways to cook like you would not believe. And then we have like a ham radio, um, his radio shack back there. And I have an art studio and we have hanging clothes and another, another month's worth of food easily. <clears throat> so we can boondock and live off grid, you know, for a week or two, just getting our water. And right. So I, your battery setup must be great because um, I, I don't, I don't have a lot of that because I, I'm just starting this whole venture. And um, you've seen my van; it's it's the lower top regular uh, extended passenger van. Um, mm. I have portable batteries, but. I can only run my fridge for two days before I have to go recharge. And if I don't have full sun, my solar does not recharge very well. And if I do have full sun, it takes a day and a half to recharge my battery. <laughs> just if I'm using just the solar panel. Right. So it's complicated. Well, Dan's an electrician and he installs all the solar stuff and everything. Oh, so he that's knows handy. What, yeah, he knows what we needed. And so we have a 12 volt refrigerator that has a freezer too. Mm -hmm. And the panels on the roof take care of it most of the time. But if we're in the southeast where it's really wooded, we have a big folding pan panel that we put out that augments it. So the refrigerator always stays on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it charges our computers and our phones and things like that. And we run fans. We have eight fans that could run at any time, oh. you know, that just move air through the house and. Mm -hmm. everything that you could think of that have been, has been electrically charged is in this house. Like we have, we can, we can uh, make ice driving down the road. <laughs> we have an ice maker, we have, you know, 12 volt crock pot and um, a little clamshell cooker. And um, so we do a lot of that just with the solar power. Yeah. When we're well, out there. I've been thinking about the, how precious the power usage is precious power <laughs> when you really need it and we were um cooking the other day have have you found restrictions with outdoor cooking um using most methods other than something electrical because we've had a lot of fire restrictions that have stopped us from being able to use certain cooking methods yeah it's been a bad fire season and it is in the west often Mm -hmm. um, we do have to deal with that quite a bit. We have so many different ways of cooking that we don't, it doesn't really affect us if we can't cook outside. Mm -hmm. um, but we do choose to cook outside. Like we have another Coleman stove that's a two burner stove with a little portable uh, propane tank that we cook at the picnic table. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, yeah, we have that problem sometimes where, you know, the ranger says it has to be able to 
be turned off immediately. Um, so a lot of times we use a rocket stove, which, you know, you just feed sticks and twigs and whatever into that. We cook a lot on that uh -huh. and that can't be turned off. So that's right. one we absolutely can't use during the fire restrictions. Uh -huh. But yeah, that is a big problem. It depends on the, you know, the time of year and the area. And um, you just have to have a lot of different ways to, you know, to overcome that. Yes. Um, well, you know, I've, been, and I've been planning to do a barbecue segment uh since just since summer started because summer is supposed to be barbecue season and i have yet to be able to do it because i can use my butane stove here but we can't use uh, well probably now that we've had a little bit of rain they've relaxed the conditions a little bit but we couldn't use charcoal barbecue at all and so i haven't been able to do that and and um so yeah, it's interesting how you have to pivot. One of the things I've been practicing with is the miniature waffle maker. And it can make toast and it can make eggs and hash browns and waffles. So oh, that's been fun. That's good. Um, yeah. So I had some other questions just that really don't pertain to food, but um, how has the lifestyle changed your outlook on life? I, I I heard what you said about deciding that you were not going to be sick anymore and you were even if you are still needing to manage your health and have a few things that aren't perfect, you decided that you are going to live a joyful and free life. Um, how has that changed you, do you think? Well, of course, anytime you get to live your dream, that's just amazing that you have that opportunity and you know it. it made me realize how much courage I actually had, you know, and what it took to actually let go of things to, to come out on the road to actually let go of all your belongings or most of your belongings and, you know, fly by the seat of your pants or uh, all of that makes you very resourceful, mm -hmm. I think. And even though I was a very resourceful person before that, it, you know, it has really added to that. Like we, we can do anything anywhere. We're just that kind of people. And we, um, Dan teaches bushcrafting and survival skills, and I teach how to get out, you know, and find cheap and free camping and entertainment and to get the kids out in nature so they will enjoy it and respect it and preserve it. So we're real active in different groups and things that we do. Um, and those kind of things keep me out of bed, keep me out of my own head, you know, keep me out of uh, feeling sorry for myself when I have bad days. Um, you know, people rely on me and I rely on myself, but we have two little dogs and, you know, we're happily married and we want to go walk today and ride the bike and, and do things like that. And so uh, it makes me look forward to the next thing that I need to go ahead and do and gives me the courage to get up and go do it and yeah. strength. You know, I've gotten very strong and being able to overcome a lot of my obstacles. And um, yeah, I think it's been a really good thing. Well, you know, I made two t-shirt designs and so far I'm the only one who wears them because I haven't, I haven't put them out there yet, but one says freedom requires courage. And the other one says freedom requires strength. And I don't, ah. I don't necessarily mean physical strength, although that is true as well. But I think that is one of the core things that it does require courage if, yes. to be free in this way does require that you step out there into 
you know, the unknown, the void <laughs> yeah. and, and rely on what you have with you and what you have been able to gather and learn. And, um, it, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. I no. <laughs> no, a lot of people say they would like to do this, but when they say, you know, where's the shower and what, how, what do you do about this? And what do you do about that? And then all of a sudden they want to go back to their couch and their TV and hear about it from there. But right. Well, the bathroom, you know, I mean, the things that you have to do for emptying your camp cassette yeah. toilet or whatever yeah. thing you're using. Uh, I've heard people say they would love to do this lifestyle. And then they go, mm, no, I can't do that. Can't touch no, it. No, just not the toilet. No. <laughs> that's the end, you know, um, for me, I think the, well, cooking outside, not being able to cook inside is difficult, but the mini waffle maker is kind of another game changer for me because I actually can, I don't want to cook with a skillet and my propane inside because I don't have the high top and it's not big enough, but with the mini waffle maker, I can make several kinds of meals and, um, and then I'm also exploring raw. That, do you guys do a lot of raw eating? Well, we do a lot of saute, like lightly sauteed foods and stir fries and things like that. And we do eat a lot of raw food. We just eat a lot of vegetables. Mm -hmm. Like we have an extra cooler that is only the vegetables because there's not room in the refrigerator for that. You know, so we go and farmer's markets and get the unwashed eggs so we can keep those longer and mm -hmm. you know we have our pantry we're dehydrating right now we have a dehydrator so every day dan is cutting up all kinds of things to augment our canned goods and stuff because they're lighter you know lighter weight and we are also on our way out to Forsyth for the winter uh for a few months and we like to carry in a bunch of food there because it's a small town and food is expensive and hard to find and so we are planning ahead even from here. Um, and that's how we travel. That's how we do our food as we go. We, we cook in batches. Um, we have lots of ways to store things. And we, we both love to cook. And we have the ability to cook, you know, anywhere. Yeah, that's great. Well, and I think, you know, depending on how much preparation people t make and take, it it determines the ease or the difficulty in some ways of this lifestyle. If you haven't been able to acquire some of the tools necessary, then it's going to be more difficult. If you yeah. don't have the space that some people have, it's going to be more difficult. But I see people perfectly happy doing this lifestyle in smaller vehicles, even Prius vehicles, which you got to see my I'm sorry. <laughs> I think those people are amazing. I don't know how they can do it, but, um, but you know, they've got it down to a science. They use a jet boil, a tiny little, you know, everything is, is smaller. Um, and you find yourself looking for very small items. I, my egg keeper, because I, in the summer here on the West coast, I can't keep eggs without refrigeration. So I have a plastic egg keeper and it won't close if I use the jumbo sized eggs. So when I go looking for eggs, I have to make sure they are smaller sized. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so those kinds of things are things that people don't realize. And that's kind of my focus, my goal, my aim with this podcast and with the group and the things that I do. I want to help people learn 
how to do this, how to do the food part of this, because that's huge. We all have to eat several times a day. And if you have to eat out or go to restaurants or, you know, you don't know how to do it, um, you may not be able to do it because that's that gets expensive. Oh, it does. It does. Well, a lot of things that you can um, you have to think about what you normally cook at home because you need to think like you would eat at home and modify your recipes. Like we cook in the Dutch oven all the time. We cook a lot of different ways, sort of the same kind of home foods that we enjoy. And you get used to what you like. And, you know, we vary things, of course, according to whatever vegetables are, are out right now at the farmer's market or whatever and all the fresh herbs and stuff like that. But we, we know what we like. We keep those things on board. Uh, we have a lot of staples. We cook from scratch, most things. And so we have just a lot of staples. And so it's really easy just to walk in there and say, oh, I can make something right now. And that keeps you from going through the fast food place. And like the days that we leave, when we have to move from one place to another, we plan for that. We think ahead. You know, we always have uh, quick foods in the refrigerator that are already made that are, are ready for that. So we don't have a lot of and we don't waste anything right. like we really love to just use up everything that we have and. You know, if you have a small space, you really have to manage your what you have. Yeah. Uh, when we have the trailer, it's a whole different ball game than we just have the van. Um, a lot of times we have too much free range is what we call it, or bags of groceries that just go from the bed to the chair and the chair to the bed or <laughs> whatever, just so you can lay down, you know, yeah. it goes on. And we have a lot of hanging things. So you'll see like, you know, there's there's bread hanging or whatever there's a bag of oranges hanging there's something hanging everywhere all the time and uh you know we just think like that we just think to the next meal um, we both love to cook so we plan ahead based on what we have and we just use up all the leftovers you know we just go in there and right and make this nice scramble out of nothing or whatever and uh we're, we're resourceful people and we enjoy the challenge of that so we don't i mean we don't eat a lot of processed food or we don't want the fast food or anything like that and if we go to a restaurant we say we can make that better at home so like yeah. we go home and make <laughs> yes <laughs> and we prefer our own stuff so but we'll you know certain places where it's their specialties like in Maine we had to have lobster you know there are certain places you have to go and have the local foods right then we save our you know going out for that kind of thing but mostly we just love what we make at home mm-hmm. we just like home food so it's, it's well, I saw on one of the posts, because I follow you on a couple of places, and I saw that you had written something about leapfrogging ingredients, and, and that's yeah. that's what that meant. You use up all of it, and when you have leftovers, then you use that the next time. And my, I've had some discussions with people, I call it theme eating, because you do, you have to use up those same ingredients until they're gone, and you want to make them look slightly different each time so that you're not bored <laughs> you <know>? right <laughs> so i like the leapfrogging because you're leapfrogging over one meal into the next with the same ingredients that look different yeah yeah that's true and it you know you don't get tired of it so quick i, I come from a big family you know my dad was an army cook and there were five kids in my family so it's hard for me to make a little bit of anything and then dan's mom was a caterer she owned a catering business so like we both have this mental thing of just, well, if you're going to do it, let's go ahead and make a bunch of it. 
and then we have limited space. You know? <laughs> we have to balance that. I mean, we feed a lot of people. We go to a lot of van dwelling events and, and other uh, bushcrafting and other things where we get to you know feed people out of what we have. And they're always amazed what we can find out of the scraps and things and staples we have in here. But yeah, that's what, that's what we do. Mostly. Well, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to ask you about the nomad land, but you bring up cooking for big groups. And when I asked you to do this, I didn't even know that you had been a part of that. Um, if I, I found you on that group that we are in together, and then I followed the link to follow you on the, your page that you mentioned. And then I saw all the fun photos and the big chili cookout. And um, so I thought that was really cool. So you go to the Rubber Tramp Roundup and how did you get involved in, in being able to get to be part of, of the Nomad Land? Well, we actually met at the Rubber Tramp Rendezvous, like I, I spoke about. I and call the Roundup. <laughs> you can no, tell that's all right. Well, it's about the same thing. <laughs> but uh, it's, you know, we, we met so many, well, it was 2015, I think, when we actually met. Um, my dog is jumping all over me, my goodness. So anyway, um, we, we have a lot of people in common, a lot of friends in common. And one of those uh, people was Jessica Bruder, who wrote the book. Oh. So I've actually camped with her. Um, you know, we've hung out. She asked me to be part of the book, but I didn't really fit the narrative because I'm retired from, you know, I'm medically retired and I don't work anymore. Mm -hmm. And her book was more about people who are continuing to work. Um, so still we followed the the uh, book and we're waiting for the movie and everything that happened and we got invited uh, to be part to be uh, extras in the movie so you know during Nomadland we sat out there and we actually uh, everybody knew that we cooked so we were asked to do the chili cook uh, chili feed is what we call it mm -hmm. and uh, so it took like a couple months of you know people would send me a note and say I have a can of beans I have a can of tomatoes I have <laughs> And I'd say, what kind of beans, what kind of tomatoes, how big? And so we did a spreadsheet, like to know exactly how much uh, chili we could have. And it was a big thing. And wow, uh, we made vegan chili too. And so, uh, yeah, it was a big thing to get that done just because so many people were involved. And it's something that we do at every, at these events. So it was like an old familiar thing. And um, the actual filming uh, we were out there just being ourselves. We were camping like we normally do. And we spent, I think it was like 10 days out there. And um, it was just like camping with all your friends. It was all of our normal people. So, you know, we cooked a lot and had campfires and did all the things that we normally do. And um, But yeah, it was, it was quite a honor to be chosen to do that. And um, because of that, even though we were just extras and we didn't have speaking part, we got invited to go to the Telluride uh, festival uh, which was a drive-in festival because of covid mm -hmm. so uh, we went out during the fires all those fires were happening in santa barbara and all of that and, i mean ash falling from the sky during the premiere and everything but we did get to go see it and uh, we were very excited because uh, so many of our friends are in the movie and mm -hmm. um so i think you know people kind of knew us uh in the community and that's how we got invited and then we just ended up cooking also. <laughs> so I think that's just really neat, the whole thing, how, how that came together. Um, when you said people gave you the ingredients and you just kind of did a spreadsheet, did you, do you have a chili recipe that you like to follow 
or was it throw together what you have and add chili spices that you know will work? Well, it was basically my mother's recipe oh, no. that I grew up in making. I've cooked all my life as soon as I could stand on a stool and stir and I was cooking. So um, it was also a little cobbled together. There were certain things I had to have. Like I asked the, the people that were gathering that were part of the movie crew um, gathering the stuff for certain spices, like, you know, I needed cumin, chili powder, you know, all these different things. Well, they brought me ginger and they brought me lemon pepper and they brought me, I don't even know what they brought me. And I said, I cannot make this with that. So I actually make my own chili powder and I had oh. enough on hand between all the cumin, because I, I grew up in Texas, so we make Tex-Mex all the time. Mm -hmm. So I had tons of those seasonings. And then I made a call out to the group and said, we need cumin. And then people just started bringing big bats of whatever. So it was a lot of it was sort of planned. We had, you know, we knew basically how much we had on hand. We also had tons of it on hand ourselves from other events um, that we just had cans of tomatoes and beans and, and whatever. We knew there would be plenty. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we did rely on people to come and bring their parts and to do some of the cooking. And um, it was a lot of fun. That part, when the filming, when we were filming, it took forever. And it was freezing. And Dan kept moving the same piece of cornbread back and forth, back and forth. And oh. I was stirring that chili and we were so hungry. And the sun was going down and we just wanted to eat it and we couldn't. We had to wait for it. But uh yeah, it was it was wonderful being part of the movie. I actually had a, a talking part with a speaking part with Frances McDormand, but it didn't it didn't make it. <laughs> we had a lot of parts that didn't make it. In fact, people are still contacting us saying, "Oh, I saw you by the campfire. Oh, I saw you here, there, whatever." As, uh, well, even if it, even if it didn't make it in, you got the experience, and that's super cool. It um, is. It's a bucket list check we didn't think we were going to have. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting because the movie was very hotly anticipated. I found out about it just a few months before it came out. And I actually was not aware of the book before I heard about the movie coming out. And I watched the movie immediately when it first came out. And I plan to watch it again. I've only seen it once, but I wanted to just ruminate on my, my impressions and when what I thought it you know, did for fan life and for me. And um, there's been a lot of mixed input about it because it had a very somber tone. But, right. um, but I think that it conveyed the kind of joy of being free that a lot of the people in yes. the movie that were just being themselves um, have. And so I liked that. Uh, the only the only thing that I my only criticism about the movie was the Frances McDormand's character. I felt like she was so closed off emotionally, and I wanted her I wanted her to develop a little bit in a connection with the audience. And and maybe that's asking too much because she was in a in a period of grieving and that was what her character was doing. But and I know she was a conglomerate of a lot of people um, from the book. So um, I don't know. That's my impression. Even though I I really enjoyed the movie, I was worried it might glamorize and glorify the lifestyle so that people would get the wrong idea 
about what it is and i don't think it did that no so, what, i i guess i don't really have a question but what do you what were your impressions about the movie as a whole well the movie as a whole to me was a lot about grieving like you said and it was one woman's story basically Mm -hmm. And, you know, it really speaks a lot to us as introverted people. And a lot of van dwellers are introverted people. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a lot about overcoming and like, you know, choosing your life and deciding I'm going to stand with it, whatever it is, I'm going to, you know, get through it. And um, for us, when we actually watched it um, at the premiere, I was really sad. It was, it was emotionally overwhelming because of some of the characters and the things that I knew and the backstories and whatever also. Mm -hmm. um, but also it was um, that I was afraid, we were both afraid that our family members and friends would think that we were struggling, like something was wrong with man life or we, you know, cause we're out here by choice. Like we don't, we're both retired. Um, we're out here by choice. And a lot of people are not out here by choice. And so you know, I thought um, it was one one Van Dweller story, one person's story, but it's not everybody's story. Right. Um, and where I mean, it's it, that's really personal to me because I've been writing a book this whole time about my travels and what it took to get out on the road and everything. And I really want to tell the story about uh, the choice, it being a choice and not being I mean, if you, you could think about it two different ways, because I'm young and I'm disabled on disability, I had very little income and I was struggling to, to live in an apartment and have everything I need by myself and whatever. I actually lived on the road by myself much better, um, had plenty enough money to handle, you know, my everyday needs and emergencies and my food and my eyeglass prescriptions and all the every, everyday things. I actually lived better on the road um, as a single young disabled person. Mm -hmm. um, but everybody has their story and every story is different. And I think a lot of people wanted to hear the fun stuff. You know, they want the Beach Boys version. You know, right. they want to know about your Westie and where you went and see the panoramic views and everything like that. And even the people who read the book, I don't think were prepared for the gravity of some of the emotional scenes mm -hmm. in the movie, you know? and I think if you didn't live the van life, you wouldn't understand a lot of it. I think there were a lot of like, as you would say, maybe inside jokes or inside things that, you know, you just don't get unless you pooped in a bucket or done anything, <laughs> you know, yeah. you just don't get it. So, you know, trying to explain it to, to people who right. said, oh, I just didn't like that movie. And I'm like, wow, there's a lot of perspectives there. You know, there's a lot of you know, I loved it. And I was also just like, wow, overwhelmed by the, the grief. And, but yeah. the, you know, there was beautiful acting, there was beautiful scenery, there were all the feels because all the people involved were part of our little group of people. And because we were involved and, you know, we can't have anything but that perspective, you know, it's, it just is. But. Well, and I liked that it tried to tell multiple people's stories even though it was about francis's character and and that was you know the trajectory uh, i do like that it asked other people about their story and what their choices were and why they were there and you know some people are there by choice and some do it because they have to um and and there's a whole spectrum of people and and reasons and you know from prius to 
$200,000 sprinter van, you know, um, that's a lot of, (laughs) there's a whole, I mean, it's just like any other lifestyle. Uh, People in houses, you have, you know, the tiny house and you have the huge mansion and, and everybody in between. So it's, it's no different in some ways. And yet nomadic people have always been, um, I don't know, fantasized, I guess, or, or people always feel like they have this idea, oh, it's dream. I want to do that. And then there's also this feeling about nomadic people that they are to be shunned and they are over there and they're crazy. And why would they do that? And um, I get both of that from people that I know who think I'm a little bit crazy. And I just say, well, (laughs) I'm not crazy, but I've always been different. I've never been conventional. I mean, I have, I've had a conventional job and I did that for all, you know, 20 years, but in my person, I've never done things the conventional way. And I've never, I never do them in the same order that people say they should be done in even. (laughs) Um, I I do what I want and I do it the way I want. And I was getting stuck in not living life the way I wanted and not getting to do what I wanted and having the time tick by and realizing that I sacrificed for other people's idea of what life should look like. And I'm not, we all do. <laughs> yes, we do. And, and so it, I'm actually, I'm writing a book too, but um, you know, who knows if mine will ever get anywhere or get published, but um, I, I, I made the decision. It, it starts with a decision yeah. and, and it starts with the, uh, the willingness to completely make that turn and change your life. And you have to be willing to get rid of everything, Uh, you know, take what comes, not know exactly where you're going, not know exactly where you're going to cook today, um, and be okay with that. And not everybody can do that. So it's terrifying for a lot of people. It's terrifying. And they, you know, they walk in the van and they look around and they say, oh, it's so organized. It's so cute. And look at all those stickers and everything like that but I'm going back in my house now because I don't know how you do this. <laughs> how do you both fit in that bed with two dogs? You know, how do you not kill each other? And, you know, well, <laughs> he's <and so> laughing. <laughs> speaking of the dogs, I loved your little push me, pull you um, it, it, post that you did where they were both on the same <laughs> leash that one day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are so cute. And um, so I was thinking, since we're talking about food, we have to ask, what do you feed your dogs? Well, we buy this uh, no grain. It, the main ingredient is chicken. So mm-hmm. that's basically what they eat is grain-free dog food. Mm-hmm. And we give them, sometimes they eat broccoli or apples or weird kind of stuff. Sometimes they'll eat a little bit of egg or whatever. We don't give them anything processed or anything either. They just eat, they eat dog food and a little bit of meat or egg. And that's about it. They don't, yeah. yeah they're, they're pretty happy with the same thing, you know, they, they beg for other things, but we just don't want them to have that. So right. yeah, like kids, there are toddlers. We got to manage the toddlers. Yes. that's <laughs> So we put them inside the van and we eat outside or we eat in the van and we put them outside so we don't beg. That's how we do it. Yeah. Well, um, I know you are getting ready to make a move and you need to do some packing. I just have a one last question, I guess. If, if we could... Um, 
I guess if you have advice to others who want to do this lifestyle, but maybe haven't started yet, what do you, what would you tell them? Well, you have to decide. I think you should try it. I think everybody should do a trial run kind of thing um, and see if it's something that you could do. Um, a lot of people go out and like they see the glamour of it and they get rid of everything and then they get on the road and say, it's not for me. And now I don't have a house anymore. And now I don't have a couch anymore mm -hmm. and whatever. So I think there are a lot of ways that you could try it. Um, you could run a U-Haul van and just go, you know, get the cot and go sit out there in the woods and see if you freak out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. You have to have some sort of experience of that. And there are a lot of ways to do that now. I think um, you have to really think about your expectations and what you think life is going to be like on a daily basis and be realistic. You know, a lot of people, um, they start out expecting luxury and there's nothing. I mean, there can be luxurious moments, mm -hmm. but there's really nothing luxurious about going a week without a shower or, you know, being out in the woods where you can't have your signal to talk to anybody or whatever, right. you know, hardship it is. Um, people really have to look around and watch a lot of videos, watch a lot of, um, and join some groups and hear the real conversations and consider it, it a huge lifestyle change and not like something you're going to do quickly and then go back to your life. You could, I mean, you could part-time it or you could dabble in van life, but really actually making the decision to go out on the road like that. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of preparation. I would say save more money than you think you need. Always have an emergency backup fund. Mm -hmm. uh, have a plan B, C, and D. Just yeah. because everybody, you know, don't just have that be your only way. You know, right. develop friendships and connections before you go on the road. Um, meet some people that you can talk to one-on-one -on -one about their experiences and get some questions together. Um, I throw this little thing out called 30 questions for nomads that I send, you know, when I meet somebody, I'll say, Hey, can you answer these questions for me? And, you know, anonymously or put your name or whatever like that. And I've been assembling a bunch of information that way, um, because I'm really interested in what makes people go on the road and actually what makes people quit too. Mm -hmm. You know, what are the hard parts? And, um, those are all personal questions that have to be answered with experience as you go. But I think, you know, I think really investigate would be my main thing. And also just prepare, you know, you have to, like I said, you know, if you have certain things that you like to cook, you need to learn how to cook them, you know, that way, the way you're going to do it in the van, the way you're going to do it at the picnic table, you know, plant, do some things in your backyard. You know, a lot of people lay out a van in their garage with, with duct tape or whatever on the floor and they spend the night in there or they sit in there and they think they dream or they take their van when it's completely empty. If you have a van, if you have a vehicle, you know, you're going to travel in, go for the weekend and just take enough stuff for the weekend and sit in there with your pencil and your paper and just dream, you know, and think about all the things like, what could you not live without? What are the things that like, if you need a nightlight, if you need, you know, all the different little things that you think about, um, you know, live as if for a little while, mm -hmm. you know, stay in the garage. You can't go in tonight. I'm sorry. How are you going to go to the bathroom? <laughs> you know, what are you going to eat? What are you going to do? If, you know, you have to act as if for a little while and try it on you do. because otherwise, you know, you might have some bad surprises if you don't. Right. So, that's my advice. 
Well, that is great. And I think all of that is very sound advice. I was listening to a podcast where somebody did take the time to rent uh, an already built out camper van for, uh, I think it was a seven day period and realized they didn't like it. And yeah, that's important. At the end of that week, they were very glad that they had rented and made that decision and learned that it wasn't going to be for them before they had, you know, made it their entire lifestyle. So I think that's very valid. Um, For me, it's, it's about the ability to plan for retirement. And, and not being chained to a desk for the rest of my working life. Um, I, yes. I do still have to work. So I'm transitioning to being a digital nomad. And that comes with its own challenges as far as, you know, the connection, the internet connection. I can't go boondocking too far out where I don't have um, some sort of connection. Um, so, you know, those are definitely things that people need to think about. Everybody always asks, how do you make income on the road? And I think the answers are as many as anybody could think of. There are so many different ways that people do that. And that takes investigation and planning too. Um, And the last thing I think that people need to know is everything takes longer (laughs) because (laughs) it's smaller. You have to move this to get to that, especially in a van like mine, where you don't have everything with its own place. I have a lot of underbed storage, but that means I have to go digging and move something out of the way to get to the thing I need. And that takes longer. You have to set up and take down. You don't have a fixed, I don't have a fixed kitchen. So when I cook, it's all set up, cook, clean, take down. Um, it, you can't be lazy. You can't just- No, you can't, the, it's a ton of work. It's yeah, it is. And you can't just walk in the kitchen and make a bowl of cereal and leave your bowl in the sink because no, it, it doesn't work that way anymore. So um, those are the things that I endeavor to bring to people um, because the Instagram, you know, the $100,000 van Instagram moments are amazing, beautiful, gorgeous, inspirational. I love them. But that is not, I mean, that is one moment out of the day. That is a posed moment out of the day. Right. And um, the rest of the 24 hours is about real stuff. Yeah, for so. sure. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, I cut you off. No worries. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> I get so excited. I'm like in the middle of, I'm going to say some more. Um, I just want to thank you for, for coming on and for meeting me and letting me meet you. And um, I'll continue to follow you. And I'm just glad we got to make the connection and um, that you can you know, come on and help me further my little podcast. Well, I appreciate the invite and you're doing a great job. I've listened to some of your shows and I know you've had some little technical issues, but there's a learning curve and you'll get it and did it this time. So (laughs) there definitely is. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you and safe travels and happy packing. Thank you so much. All right. Good night. Thank you for joining me in Van Life Pantry, Nomadic Pantry. And that was Brenda, my guest, uh, who I found out after I invited her was involved in the Nomadland movie. And that was just um, a little extra icing on the cake for me because I liked the movie. And um, I think that was exciting to get to meet someone who is all about food and who got to do food things for the movie. So thank you again for joining me and I hope to catch you again 
on down the road.